Hello again, and welcome to the season two premiere of the Keith Ergo Show, your look inside Fordham men's basketball. I'm Andrew Bogus. Happy again to be hanging out with the head coach himself, Keith Ergo. Coach, it's great to see you again, and it feels like Barkley Center in March just happened, and now we're less than a week away from opening night. How do we get here so fast? Yeah, I mean, it flew by, obviously, and, and this summer was action-packed with a lot of different things from um, from not only our program, but across the country in college basketball and, and the entire landscape now that we're kind of embedded now fully in NIL and transfer portal. So things were happening just throughout the summer, and it feels like it flew by, and, and here we are just less than a week from our opening night, and I can't tell you how excited we are, and um, hopefully – that energy and that excitement and those crowds that, you know, filtered into the Barclays in March are ready to, to get back on the train here at uh, Rose Thrill and bring it out Monday night as we got a doubleheader with the women. Uh, before we get to basketball, what does a Division One basketball coach, how does he handle trick-or-treating earlier in the week? <laughs> you know what? Um, you know, I got four, four kids, so my wife and I had to split up. My 12-year-old wanted to be with his friends in a neighborhood, my 10 year old, my little girls wanted to be with their friends in a, in a neighborhood. So um, I was the one who who grabbed my oldest and kind of went to a gathering in one of the neighborhoods with some of our local friends and I uh, had a good time, similar to what it sounds like you had. But, uh, you know, unfortunately, I only got to see pictures and and uh, and festivities prior to them leaving our house. My little girls and my 10 year old son. Uh, I didn't get to trick or treat with them, but we celebrated quickly. And then obviously last night it was just nobody got much sleep. And this morning was a disaster. Yeah, um, my my oldest is now old enough to go on her own, too. So I've lived that. And at, yeah, who Ooh. knew that a Tuesday night Halloween could turn into a night. I mean, I ended up at a party in a backyard with a DJ with a smoke machine. I don't know what's going on anymore. That's not how Halloween was when I was growing up, but we had fun yesterday. Well, it sounds like we all got to come over your way next year. Yeah, you know what? Get a bus, bring the bring the guys over. They can hand out candy. We can walk in the neighborhood. That can be, I could be you for Halloween with the team behind me. <laughs> That's fine by me. I'll sit in the backyard with the DJ and hang out. Right? All I got no problem with that. Um, so people have actually seen your team in action before opening night against Wagner, a great event last weekend, charity exhibition with UMBC. We'll go through the actual basketball stuff, but I wanted to ask you, yours was one of many games around the country, raising money for a great cause. Do you think these charity exhibitions are, are here to stay now and will be a yearly thing? I certainly hope so. I think it's a great opportunity, um, for all of us to get, um, live action from the basketball standpoint, but then, you know, for us, um, kind of honoring, I, I like to call it honoring able athletics and all the wonderful, incredible work they do, uh, for, for several communities in the Northeast, but specifically for my daughter, um, Samantha Rose and, uh, having a, an organization like that, wanting to partner with myself and obviously Jim Ferry, uh, who, who came up with the idea, um, actually, um, cause his wife is, is involved in a lot of that work in Long Island. And, you know, we've known each other a long time and, um, I was very grateful that they wanted to take part in that. And, um, we had a bunch of able athletes in the building and a number of parents. And, um, I can't tell you how many pe people and folks have, have reached out and said how much fun their children had and how grateful they were that we were honoring them and trying to promote, um, uh, inclusion amongst athletes with special needs. So 
really a great tribute for us and great opportunity from a basketball standpoint to get kind of live action, to get some of the cobwebs out, which I think was really important for us because, you know, we have a bunch of younger guys who are inexperienced this year as opposed to last year where we had a lot of older guys. So a uh, totally different dynamic on the, uh, in our program uh, this year. So it was a great exercise and experience, not only for our staff, but our team. As far as a starting five and kind of minutes breakdown, did the UMBC box score look like what it might look like um, against Wagner? Yeah, I mean, we're just trying to play with some things just throughout the year. I mean, Antrell, honestly, um, Antrell Charlton wasn't only he had only practiced for three days and uh, fully prior to the UMBC exhibition for almost six months. That was his first three full days of practice. So, you know, this week he's a lot more comfortable than he was last. And they uh, they wanted us to keep him, uh, you know, below 10 minutes in that exhibition and then allow him to to gain uh, a little bit more strength in his knee this week, which he has done. So he'll be full strength and ready to go. And I would anticipate, anticipate, if not starting this particular game, since he's only been back, honestly, for a full week, certainly playing a heck of a lot more minutes. But, you know, for us, it's it's I think it's going to kind of be an inconsistent uh, non-conference, trying to figure out uh, matchups and um, groups that click um defensively and offensively we have so much talent so much depth um you know honestly Noah best we could have gotten him in he's been playing very consistently defensively on the floor for us so I would have liked to have seen him in action and gotten him some minutes uh, but the game got tight and you know we had to go with who we trusted there at the end but um we just have a lot of opportunities to play different types of lineups and it's going to take a little while for us to kind of figure out um, what our strengths are because we have not been healthy uh, until about two days prior to the exhibition. That was the first time we had all 13 scholarship guys on the court for practice at full strength. Who has, if you're okay with naming names, who has kind of stood out the most in a positive sense for you now that you've, you know, you've been on the floor and really it's not summer workouts, it's actual practice, it's actual yeah. prep for a game. Well, unfortunately, well, not fortunately and unfortunately, everyone, right? I mean, from Jaffe to obviously Josh Rivera to Ramad Dean, who had the best summer and fall, um, to Jameer Tripp, who's a freshman, but ridiculously talented, you know, but like any other freshman, not quite understanding every single possession matters, but when it does, he could be explosive and just really uh, electric on the offensive end. Um, so I, there's not really anybody, honestly, that hasn't been impressive. Elijah Gray, he's taken his his emotional um, stability to the next level and his game is speaking for itself. He's been so tough on himself and worked so hard to get to the level he's playing at now. Um you know, so we're really thrilled Angel Montas, you know, finally getting healthy enough to be practicing full strength. Uh, but even he, we have to monitor and not overdo it because he's just starting to get back playing basketball at a high level for the first time in 14 months. So, um, you know, really excited about all of the options we have. Uh, I just mentioned Noah Best. I mean, his length and his athleticism at the top of our quarter, uh, three-quarter press it could wreak havoc and it doesn't practices a lot. So I'm um, really excited about everybody, quite honestly. 
as a coach, when, as you say, you know, matchups might dictate things, somebody having a hot hand might dictate things. So there might be guys who play 16 minutes, one game, and then six, the next, is that something you have to kind of prepare the guys for that minutes are going to fluctuate and doesn't necessarily mean anything about them? No. And and we've talked about that pretty much openly. Right. And I think that's something that our players respect about, you know, our staff is we're pretty real and pretty honest. And what you see is what you get. And, you know, clearly we, we kind of dictate everything off of our, our numbers and practice and our attitude chart, which is a lot of different categories statistically um, that don't necessarily have anything to do with points. And if you line up the last 10 practices and the leaders in Attitude Club, uh, they let us submit it on on Sunday, and that'll continue to happen throughout the non-conference. And guys who understand and buy into that, they'll start to see their minutes continue to increase because you know everybody understands we have a lot of talent, but you know unless you're playing hard and together, um, you know it, it doesn't really matter how much talent you have. I think what you know, last year's team was able to accomplish is a great example. Not that we didn't have talent. We certainly did, but, you know, we beat a number of teams that were probably on paper more talented than us, but that were not tougher and they weren't more together than we were. And now the challenge is taking a lot of great and high level talent and kind of learning each other and figuring out how hard we need to play and how together we need to be. And if we can get the level of talent that we have playing at that uh, hardened together. Like we talk about, we have a chance to be really good by the end of the year. Yeah. One of the things that stood out to me at the open practice you guys held is yeah. aside from talent, you've got, you just have some dudes, guys that look the part, big, strong, athletic guys that didn't necessarily wear this uniform in the past and go to this yeah. school. Uh, and then you talked after Sunday about the possibility of a lineup that has Josh Rivera who's one of those big dudes playing the three with even two bigger dudes. Is that a scenario that you really foresee regularly happening where Josh is kind of the smallest of three big guys out there? Well, you know, absolutely. Um, it all, it, it all depends. Uh, and we've worked on all of that stuff. It really depends on um, kind of what's going on that night. That's the way we have to continue to coach day by day with this particular group and, um, and who we're playing against and, and what advantages we may have. I mean, I was so proud of that kid. We talk about not le- uh, uh, really a lot about not allowing making or missing shots to dictate your effort. Um, and he did not. I mean, he was one for 13. And quite honestly, he missed a heck of a lot of bunnies that he hasn't missed in practices previously. And then he goes out and still gets 14 rebounds, seven offensive, seven defensive. And that's pretty impressive to go one for 13 and not let that affect your attitude and your energy level where you can still go out and grab 14 boards. I mean, that is really um, kind of the identity identity of our program and who we want a Ford and basketball player to be. And if he's going to rebound like that at the four, imagine what he can do at the three. Yeah, there's a couple other guys I want to specifically hit on, but just to go back to this idea that that you've mentioned here more than once about the the talent level on this team. I've had yeah. this conversation with people since the offseason when we knew what the roster was kind of going to look like building towards now. I don't know if this is going to make sense, so bear with me. Last year was so good with 25 wins, haven't been yeah. seen in decades here, 8-10 semifinal. Those two things are hard to duplicate year in and year out for different reasons. 
Is there a scenario when we get to March where maybe the record is not as pretty as it was last year, but you actually have a better basketball team? There's no question about it. A number of things have to fall in place um, for things of that nature, like, for, like last year to happen. We had a much older group, guys that had professional routines from, you know, the moment they stepped on campus May 30th till the moment they left here in March, like Khalid Moore, Roslav Nowitzki, you know, Patrick Kelly uh, and, and Darius Quisenberry. And then you mix those in with, you know, Antrell and, and Kyle Rose, who are both older and more mature. You had six dudes, including Abdu. You know, you had six dudes, seven dudes that were just so much more prepared for the day-to-day grind a six-month season has. And they had been through a non-conference that they hadn't handled the way they should have the year before. And they let a few games slip away like Maryland Eastern Shore and some of these others that we probably should have won. They weren't going to allow that to happen last year. And we had some tight ones. And I think as a result of what happened two years ago, guys like Darius Antrell, Kyle, Pat Kelly, and Abdu, and, you know, Kelly come from Georgia Tech, they knew every single game in the non-conference you were typically going to get someone's best shot. So they were more prepared going into those nights. Whereas this year, we're more talented. There's no question. But these guys, they're still learning the day-to-day grind the understanding that every single day matters and you can't just show up when the lights turn on and play at a different speed. You have to play like that every single day. We have an older group. They kind of been through those battles and they've seen some of those games slip away and they didn't want that to happen last year. So we got to make sure that Antrell and Kyle, those guys are reiterating that from a leadership standpoint with this young group. I don't say this is a knock on them. It's just to me, you know, it's just the reality of their games. Antrell and Kyle are not scorers like Darius and Khalid were. Yeah. So is it, it, that different leadership dynamic where they just can't will you 25, 30 combined points to, to rescue you yeah. in the second half. How does that change this year? Does that mean you have to ask Will to be the offensive leader and you don't want to ask too much of no, him? No. How does that dynamic work? You know, honestly, it doesn't change anything because without Antrell and Kyle, we can't get defensive stops. There was never a moment where Kyle and Antrell weren't in the game inside four to three minutes to win us the game on the defensive end. That doesn't change. And that's the kind of mentality we have to create within all of these sophomores and these redshirt freshmen and Jameer Tripp, right? Because, you know, quite honestly, we got a lot of guys who could go off for 10 to 15 to 18 points. Jeff Amador, Will Richardson, Elijah Gray, uh, Angel Montas, um, you know, Ramad Dean. Could, you know, we made nine threes the other night in the first half. And I think there was like seven guys that made one, right? So we have a number of guys who can put double-digit points. I mean, Abdu Sambala had, like, what, 10 and 8? And I don't even think he played one of his, you know, best games. So his development. So there's... The difference is, I think last year, we only had three or four guys that we felt could could average double digits on a regular basis. Now, I got to be quite honest, offensively, we got seven or eight dudes who could easily score 10 or more points and probably four or five could go for 20. But if you're giving up 20 on the other end, you know, that's where our issue is currently. And Antrell and Kyle are, are vital in making sure that we stick to our identity and that's defending and rebounding. 
Jafe had the big game on Sunday. The last thing I heard about him was that you guys were preparing to not have him. And then now he's eligible. Was that a Hail Mary? How confident were you waiting on, on that ruling up until last week, basically? Certainly, we were not confident at all. I mean, we were hopeful and we believed that he, you know, he had earned the right to get the waiver because it really wasn't an issue on his end. Um, so, you know, fortunately, we were able to not only get the waiver, but get the waiver in time to have an exhibition where he could kind of get his feet under him in, in a uniform. I mean, he's been practicing since day one. So, you know, that wasn't an issue. He's been um, really comfortable on the court. But the difference was we weren't expecting it to really take place. So we weren't prepared as much from a standpoint of him and Will playing together on a regular basis. They had probably only played together for three or four practices. They had been competing against one another for pretty much the last four months, um, which has made Will a lot better um, with the ball in his hand and decision-making and even off the ball. But now having them work together in the backcourt, um, learning how to trust and play off one another, that's going to take some time. So, uh, but they're both explosive. And you saw that the other night when one had it going for a couple of minutes, then the other one took a break. The other one grabbed the ball, made some plays off the dribble, you know, so really exciting backcourt. They just need to get a little bit more physical on the defensive end. Uh, are they two of the same player or to oversimplify things is one a point guard and one a shooting guard? I think, um, you know, I think they're both really, really similar. I think Jaffe has a little bit more um, tendency to, to spread the ball around a little bit. We're trying to make sure he understands we need you to score the basketball because that's what's going to open up Will Richardson. Um, you know, Will Richardson's up 43% from the three-point field goal percentage yeah. last year. He led all freshmen in the Atlantic 10, third in the conference. So, you know, Jaffe can certainly knock down perimeter jump shots, but – you know, we need him to be aggressive. That is most likely the only way that Will's going to get some of the looks that he got last year. You know, the challenge with Will Richardson this year is he's at the top of everybody's scattering report, whereas last year he was probably fifth, certainly fourth towards the end, uh, fifth to start or even sixth to start. Um, you know, they had to deal with Khalid Rostick and, 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 and really Darius and allowed Will to float and find a lot of open threes where he was knocking them down. And then he got so comfortable, it didn't matter who was on him. But, you know, now he's at the top and they're going to do what a lot, a lot of teams are going to do, you know, in scouting what they did against Darius Quisenberry and be really physical with him, try to take away his perimeter scoring. The good piece to Will is he's explosive with the ball in his hands as well and he was able to make some plays at the rim the other night he didn't just settle for some jump shots which he made two of them but he's gotten really good understanding when to attack the basket and when to settle for perimeter jump shots so those two guys playing off each other could be explosive their speed and their athleticism are electric will looked bigger to me has he has he bulked up since last year ready for for physical play 100 i mean i think he understood um, going through an entire season, how important it was to put on some muscle. And I think he put on right around 10 pounds of muscle could probably put on a little bit more, usually lose some weight throughout the, uh, throughout the season. So he knows what he has to maintain kids. One of the hardest working kids on and off the court I've ever been around in my life. So he understands it's not just about on the court, it's in the film and it's also in the weight room because we need him to attack the basket 
more this year because people aren't going to allow him to float on the perimeter and get threes off. So he's going to have to play off his shot fake and play off that perimeter uh, ability to get to the rim and get into the paint and be more physical with the ball in his hands. And he needs to be able to mu- be much more physical on the defensive end and not get blown by. And, and look, we, we like to switch. So he's going to have to be able to contend with some bigs in the paint. You've mentioned Angel more than once. Um, his name comes up a lot when people dissect this team and figure out what it, what it could be during the season. Uh, his health is clearly kind of the main storyline right now yeah. as things begin. You just said it's been 14 months since he was kind of a full-fledged, no-holds-barred player. Yep. Um, yep. And when you see him, it's hard not to get you know hyped up about what he could be. So like, what's a fair, for November and December, what's a fair expectation for Angel? You know, just be patient patient you know angel's gonna have some inconsistencies um but he's so um intelligent on the court he can play multiple positions you know we had a plan so when and trail was out right we had uh and we didn't think jeff a was gonna play we had an intro, uh, angel playing a lot at the one um and so he he was able to kind of um pick and choose his spots usually he's a natural scorer right but at the one, we were trying to teach him how to, you know, run a run a team because um, <laughs> he can do a number of different things with the ball in his hands and his size. And, you know, he's still not in great shape because of the injury. He's got a, he, he understands that. So and, and the knee is is never going to be what it used to be. That's just the reality of his injury. So there's going to be some some good days and bad days you know, where he's sore or maybe we have to scale back and practice, not allow him to push through it, maybe take some plays off, maybe, you know, really monitor his um, his usage, uh, even though he doesn't want us to. Um, and that's something we're going to have to to maintain throughout the year. But, you know, when he gets to full strength, I mean, he can do just so many different things. He can play in the post, he can play on the perimeter, he can play with the ball in his hands. You can run him off some screens. I mean, transition, just no hesitation, bang three. Next time, you know, Jim Farron, UBS, UMBC, they go under a ball screen. He steps right behind, you know, bangs another three. Just kind of effortless plays. He can get in the paint anytime he wants, you know. But um, so for him, it's about we know what he can do offensively, but with that knee and getting more comfortable and getting in better shape. And, you know, right now he, he didn't get a ton of reps on the defensive end. Right. So that's something that we look for. I know a lot of fans are like, Oh my goodness, he could score this way. He could score that way. And he certainly can. The only problem is they don't rest necessarily see on the other end, whether or not you're giving up 25 points. Right. And for the most part, when you're a fan, you typically, you have a tendency to just watch the ball guy with the ball and the guy guarding the ball. Whereas you're coaching, we're, we're watching everything off the ball. So that's when, you know, young guys really struggle early on understanding how important it is a team defense, all five guys together. Keith, I'm going to oversimplify things. Use a lazy broadcaster term. Is Angel the X factor for you guys? If he's healthy and hits his potential, does that really change things drastically for you guys this year? I mean, yeah, anytime you have an explosive scorer and a, and a high-level talent added to the roster, and if he's at full strength and he's ready and he's able to play, you know, at his his capability, I mean, he's an incredibly talented kid. He can play anywhere in the country, in our opinion. So there's no question he gives you a punch offensively that, you know, we could certainly take advantage of. But I also believe we got a bunch of other guys as well that can, 
can really help us. So as far as an X factor is concerned, you could really name a few different guys, quite honestly. Um, he's, he, he could, he could be a focal point, honestly, mm-hmm. uh, as far as an X factor though, I think there's a number of guys, I think there'll be a bunch of them. And, and that's kind of, um, the uncomfortable situation currently, but also the exciting part where you got a bunch of different guys, uh, any night that could step up and, you know, go off. I, I don't think we've had that the last two years kind of knew who, who was going to do what and what we were going to get from everybody. There weren't a, a bunch of surprises. Um, and this year, I think you could see four or five guys go off for 18 to 20 points out of nowhere. You mentioned the very beginning of this conversation, uh, the crazy, crazy fans, the lunatics at Rose Thrill. Um, yeah. They've certainly been at full throat over the last couple of weeks because you've created a monster where being Uh-oh. predicted to finish seventh in the Atlantic 10 kind of became an insult to certain people. And they have very strongly defended your team because, you know, and I'm going to remember when the only question was, is Ford going to get picked last or second to last in the conference? And now yeah. folks are mad about seven. So I guess congrats on that. And um, people definitely have come to your defense. I know you don't care about these things, yeah, uh, yeah. but but people have noticed that it almost seems like perfect motivation if you wanted it to show your guys that maybe people are forgetting what you guys accomplished a year ago. Yeah, you know what? Uh, a year ago is a year ago. It has nothing to do with this current roster. And it doesn't matter you know, what team is in the Atlantic 10. Every single one of them are completely different for the most part. For the most part, there are some that aren't that much different. You see those guys at the top preseason because it's easily predictable but you know for us this team's got its own race and you mentioned it earlier you know I have no idea what this team is going to be uh, early on what I do know is that it our goal every year is to be the best team we can be by the end of the year that is a coach's goal that is our our jobs right is to continue to get better each and every day and ultimately get this group of young men to play at their their highest level of capability by March. And I, I do know that I feel very strongly that if we are able to accomplish that feat, then we're going to have an opportunity, like you mentioned, maybe not as many wins as last year, but uh, we'll have a chance to contend for, for an Atlantic 10 championship, in my opinion, if we can get this group to reach their full potential. Now, having said that, you know, you just never know what's going to happen throughout the year with injuries. And, um, but, um, we feel really good about the level of talent. Now it's about, um, the discipline and the sacrifice that it takes to win at a very high level consistently. There's a lot of great teams in this league with great coaches this year, um, with a lot of older teams, Mm. Uh, you know, there is no substitute for experience. Um, and I think you're seeing that across the country already here in these exhibition games. Um, so it's just, you just don't have any clue what you're going to get at the moment, but um, you know, that's our jobs is to continue to fight each and every day. Um, we love our group of young men. They love being a, a part of Fordham and they're giving us every ounce of energy to have. We just got to make sure we stay consistent and learn to be the best we can be that day, whatever that means. Uh, I wanted to end on a lighter note and I can't remember what conversations were on air and off air. So I'm going to tiptoe around this one. Uh, we've seen the white, we've seen the maroon uniforms. Um, anything else uniform horizon you can share with us? You today? know what? 
Um, I can't share much, but, you know, if anybody was at the football game this past weekend, they got a good glimpse of things, you know, things that may take place in the future. And, you know, honestly, that's not the only thing we have up our up our sleeve. But um, we're looking forward to our partnership with Nike. They're allowing us to kind of, you know, um, experiment, let's say. And and we're looking forward to to seeing how the fans respond and, and react to some of the things we have in store you know, for, for the non-conference and certainly some of our bigger games in conference, I think they're going to love the different uh, versatility that our, uh, our, our gear game is going to bring out. I love it. Coach, uh, I'm glad the season is back. I can't believe that it is, but uh, we miss basketball and here it is again. And uh, it's always great to chat with you. I'm looking forward to a whole other full season of this. Thank you guys so much. And, and we appreciate everybody, all of the love and the support that you've shown us over the off season but that doesn't make anything different. We we need from the moment we start Monday night, we have to have as many of the shirtless herd, as many of the other student body. We now have both stands out. We have to fill the rose thrill and we have to get this place rocking, not wait until the bigger games at Barclays and MSG, not wait until the Atlanta 10 season. This team needs a home court advantage every single night and hopefully we generate enough buzz and excitement beginning Monday night where people are so excited and that they're hanging from the rafters. Yep. It starts Monday against Wagner. We hope to see it rose through. We're looking forward to your listening here on this podcast as well. Thanks everybody for checking in today. Uh, and coach, as always finish us off. It's a great night to be a Ram.